guys to open up to Psalm 55. And as you open up to Psalm 55, um, just to remind you guys, last time we were in the Psalms, Psalms 52 through 54, um, we learned about what it meant to trust in the mercy of God and waiting upon the vengeance and the deliverance of God when it comes to our enemies or those who persecute us while we are planted in the house of God, just waiting upon him. We're actually going to continue with that theme as we are going to see in these next Psalms of David as he continues through prayers on what it means to trust in the Lord, right? In times of worry, in times of trouble, uh, in times of persecution, he's going to start with these prayers and petitions to the Lord, but he's going to end in a time of prayer and worship, in a time of prayer and worship. And here tonight, just as an introduction, um, we see that David wrote this psalm, Psalm 55. It says here it's a, um, they call it a, a, a Mitchell. A Mitchell, a Mitchell is an instruction psalm here. And David here is fleeing from Absalom. And Absalom is his third son by his third wife. Absalom revolts against David. And during this psalm, David is also going to write about how um, he is in anguish, um, how he is distressed, um, but also how he is just broken because of a fellow friend and counselor, one who he trusted, named Ahithophel. Ahithophel was one of his counselors, but Ahithophel turned his back on David and started counseling Absalom on how to defeat and destroy David. So we see here just the um, context of this psalm here and what to expect in this psalm. Um, if you like taking notes, there's three points we're going to go over in this psalm specifically. In verses eight, 1 through 8, we're going to see a prayer of distress. We're going to see a prayer of distress. And in point 2, verses 9 through 13, we're going to see a prayer for justice. And then in the last part of this psalm, we're going to see a prayer for assurance. And I think this is so timely as we can see just our country, um, our state in distress and turmoil um, and just um, seeking justice, right, for truth, seeking justice um, for what is right. And we're going to see here how we can do so by having um, just trust and assurance in the Lord and his perfect plan. Now we see here in verses one here, David says, give ear to my prayer, O God, and do not hide yourself from my supplication. Attend to me and hear me. I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily because of the voice of my enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked, for they bring down trouble upon me, and in wrath they hate me. My heart is severely pained within me, and the terrors of death have fallen upon me. Fearfulness and trembling have come upon me, and horror has overwhelmed me. So I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. I would fly away and be at rest. Indeed, I would wander far off and remain in the wilderness. Father, we come before you, Lord, this evening again, God, just thankful, God, for tonight, Lord. And Father, as we go, as we expound your scripture, Father, we are going to see, Lord, just a lot of emotion, Father, a lot of drama and hurt and pain things that we ourselves experience in life. And Father, we pray, God, that you would give us wisdom, Lord, on how to deal with things and wisdom, Lord, on how to apply what we are going to see tonight, Lord, in your word. Holy Spirit, teach us and reveal to us your word, Father, and as we come before you, Lord, tonight. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. So we see here... Um, just this first point here, the prayer of distress. And David here, he prays that, that God would just manifest his favor 
his favor, and, and he pleads sorrow and fear. And we saw that right in those first eight verses. We see here verses one through three again. Give ear to my prayer. He's saying, listen to my cry, Lord. Listen to my cry, O God. And, and do not hide yourself from my supplications, from my petitions, from my prayers. Answer me or attend to me, verse two, he says. And, and hear me, Lord, hear me. Because I, I am restless in my complaint and moan noisily. We can see he's crying for help. And how many of us can relate to just experiences like that in life where we are just restless and um, there's just so much going on, just the, the, the burden of life or the weight of maybe assignments in school or just just family and life in general, right? Paying bills and and all of that, but here we see that David is crying out for help. And we see that, we see why in verse three, why he says, because of the voice of the enemy, the voice of the enemy, right? And you know, what I really like about this here is we're gonna see that it is a specific enemy that he's talking about. But you know, some of you might say, well, you know what, I'm a saint, I don't have any enemies. I get, I have all types of friends and no one's against me. Well. I've also heard before that enemies can be other things as well. Enemies can be um, anger. Enemies can be um, maybe the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. Enemies can be laziness, right? These enemies that are constantly coming upon us and trying to attack us and trying to steer us off that straight and that narrow, right? Think of it that way as well. Right? Not just enemies of those who are persecuting you or those who are against you, but the enemies of just the struggles, the trials, the tribulations here. But here we see that in verse 3, he says, because of the voice of the enemy, because of the oppression of the wicked. He specifically is saying here and describing who is against him. For they bring down trouble upon me, in, and in the wrath they hate me. We can see here that he's in distraught, right? His, his thoughts are troubled because of these attacks that are coming. There's just continual attacks. They just never end, right? And we see in verse four, he says, as he continues, and we can see this, this emotion of David, he says, my heart is severely pained, severely pained within me. And the terrors of death have fallen upon me. So here you can see just that, that anguish, right? You can see just maybe a pounding heart, right? It's just much faster, right? Just, just oh, I just feel the severity here. It's just pain within me because the terrors of death, he might have even felt these guys are trying to kill me. They're trying to kill me. And now he, he's shuddering because he's afraid. The, the terrors of death have fallen upon me. We see here, verse five says, fearfulness and trembling have come upon me. And maybe some of us have experienced that before. Maybe not just uh, in, in, in pain uh, or in suffering, but maybe just because someone's angered you so much that, that or, or you're just in an argument with someone or, or a close friend or a coworker or your boss or a family member and, and you just are just trembling and you're in pain, and, and, and you're, you have just this, this anguish upon you, this anxiety, right? And David's expressing this anxiety here. He's trembling. He's overwhelmed. He can't stop shaking, right? Verse 6, he says, though, so I said, so I said, oh, that I had wings like a dove. If I, if I just had wings like a dove, if I just had wings like a dove, I would fly away and be at rest. I would just fly away, find safety. He says, indeed, I would just wander far off and remain in the wilderness. David says here, just, if I just had wings, I can just fly away, I can just go, just go and go and, you know, I'll just, just keep flying into a place of quietness in, in the wilderness. I would hurry, right? He says, I would hasten, I would hasten away from this place. In verse eight, I would hasten my escape from the windy storm and the tempest. So David here is wanting to fly away. He wants to get away from this place of 
turmoil, right? And he's, he, wants, he says, I wish I had just wings of a dove. And how many of us can relate to that when we're in an argument or we are severely pained by someone who we trust and who we love? Because remember, that's what David is writing about uh, Ahithophel, his counselor, who he trusted. And he was a close friend of, imagine your best friend just, you know, talking behind your back or spreading rumors, right? Or is taking just your deepest secrets and now spread them. And, and, and now here, we see here that he's, he's so angry, he has so much pain and distraught that he just wants to get away. But what does the word of God tell us? In Isaiah 25, 4, it says, For you, O Lord, have been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in distress, a refuge from the storm, a shade from the heat. In the storms of life, here he sees, he said in verse 8, from the windy storm, in the storms of life and in the tempest, instead, God tells us to just put our trust in him. He is our strength in that time of distress, a refuge from the storm. In Isaiah 40, in verse 29 and 31, he says, he gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. So we see here that in God's word here, in this time where this treachery is coming against him, David is overwhelmed and he wants to get away. He wants to just, you know, get away from all this. And, and, and that makes sense, right? But look, we're going to see in the second part here that he's going to start praying for justice. He's going to start taking this petition to the Lord in verses 9 through 13. And he, see, he says here in verse 9, Destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. For I have seen violence and strife in the city. Day and night they go around it on its walls. Iniquity and trouble are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst. Oppression and deceit do not depart from its streets. So now here David, he prays that God would just pleasure against his enemies. And he pleads against their wickedness and their treachery that God would have his vengeance upon them. He says so in verse um, 9 here. He says, destroy, destroy, O Lord, and divide their tongues. Confuse them, confuse them. We saw that take place actually in Genesis chapter 11, right? When the, these people came to come, across, come against God and they were be- building the Tower of Babel and God destroyed that movement by dividing their tongues into many languages. David says, confuse them, divide their tongues, interfere with their ability to communicate because they're full of violence. Verse 10, day and night they go around on its walls. Iniquity or mischief and trouble or sorrow are also in the midst of it. Destruction is in the midst, O Lord. Oppression and deceit do not depart from their streets. He's saying there's continual oppression. It's, it's evident. It's in the streets. It's, it's everywhere. And we see here, like David, too, as he had these adversaries against him, you and I also have an adversary, right? Satan and his demonic angels that come across come about us each and every day we see in first peter 5 8 what does peter tell us this is be alert be sober-minded your enemy the devil he prowls around day and night like a roaring lion like a roaring lion what is he doing he's seeking or he's looking for someone to devour he's not trying to just 
cause you to trip up or, you know, let me just take a quick little bite here or, you know, cause him to stumble. He wants to devour you. But Peter tells us to resist him, stand firm in the faith, and know that the family of believers throughout the world are undergoing the same exact sufferings and persecutions as you and I. But if that's not bad enough here, we're going to see in verse 12 that when harm comes from the enemy, we're going to see that betrayal of that good friend. We're going to see it right now. We're going to witness Ahithophel. Um, we're, going to, we're going to experience David's brokenness here against Ahithophel. He says in verse 12, For it is not an enemy who reproaches me. He's dialing in right here. If it were, then I could bear it. Nor is it one who hates me or who has exalted himself against me. Then I could hide from him. Uh, verse 13, but it was you, a man, my equal, my companion, uh, and my, my acquaintance. We took sweet counsel together, and we walked in the house of God in the throng. This is that painful moment, again, that we see here that David, again, is explaining this close friend, Ahithophel, he says, my equal, my companion, my acquaintance. And we see here that he said, if it was an enemy, I can, I can bear it, I can endure it, but it's, it's, it's Ahithophel. We, we, we shared close companionship. We took sweet counsel together, fellowship. We walked in the house of God side by side. This was my main dude, or this was my homegirl. This was the one that we would walk. We would share our secrets with one another. We would pray for one another. We would lift each other up. We would build one another up. I shared just my deepest secrets and counsel. We counseled each other. See, Jesus warned us that leading up to his second coming, that many will deliver you up to tribulation and put you to death. You will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. We see that the Lord Jesus Christ forewarned us of this, right? We see this today. We know, we maybe have experienced it ourselves, right? We see that, sadly, this even takes place in the ministry. We see that in the examples of the New Testament, Judas Iscariot walked right alongside our Lord for three and a half years, viewing the miracles. Eyewitness, he was an eyewitness of everything that took place, right? He was right there. He was a treasurer. Where else do we see it? We see it with Ananias and Sapphira against the Holy Spirit. One area that really stood out to me was when Paul mentions someone. He's mentioned a few people, but he mentions one person specifically, he says in Acts 4.10, Demas. He's forsaken me. Demas, this companion of his, he's forsaken me having loved this present world. And here we see that that's what takes place, that many have fallen in love with the pleasures and the treasures of this world and no longer are following in fellowship and communion with God. And we pray for them, that the Lord would have mercy on them, that he would draw them back to himself. But this is also, interesting enough, a foreshadowing of the future, the future Jews in the tribulation who will say this about Antichrist, right? As Bible students, we know that there's going to be a leader and he's going to promise, he's going to make a promise, right? A seven-year promise. And in that seven-year peace treaty, 
He's going to build the temple, and the Jews are going to worship in that temple. And three and a half years into that peace treaty, what does he do? He says, bow down and worship me, for I am God. And the Jews are going to be astonished, just like David. They're going to be in anguish. And we're going to see here that he's going to demand that they take the mark of the beast. And it won't be until then that they realize that they were betrayed. They were betrayed. And then the last three and a half years of the most persecuted time of that tribulation, the last three and a half years is going to come ushering in the millennial kingdom. Now, we see here in verse 15, though, that David says, let death seize them. Let them go down alive into hell, for wickedness is in their dwellings and among them. David is uh, really having no mercy here, right? He is really pouring out to God and asking him to take vengeance upon Ahithophel and those who do evil. He's saying, swallow them alive. And we know that David knows his Bible because it's mentioned here in Numbers that that happened once before, right? When the enemies came against Moses. That's in Numbers 16. But David isn't seeking revenge himself. And this is something that we have to remember that as believers, we have a deliverer. And we take before him our petitions, our troubles, and we ask that God would bring his judgment because he will. He will. And then we see here now in the verses 16 through 23, the prayer for assurance, the prayer for assurance. Verses 16, uh, I love this. David says, as for me, as for me, I will call upon God, and the Lord shall save me. Evening and morning and at noon, I will pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. Why? Verse 18, he has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. For there were many against me, but God will hear. We see here just this a few verses, 16, 17, and 18. I call it just the time where it as a a time, a picture of the gospel, right? I look at it as a picture of the gospel. What does it say here? Verse 16, I will call upon God. I will call upon God. And what? The Lord shall save me. Not my riches, it's the Lord who will save as I call upon him evening and morning and noon verse 17 says I will pray and cry aloud that cry must have been a genuine cry right a genuine cry of repentance it is when we cry out to the Lord in a contrite and broken spirit that we can say as he continued in that last Part of verse 17, he shall hear my voice. He shall hear my voice. I'm coming before him in repentance and brokenness. In verse 18, he says, he has redeemed my soul. Praise the Lord. He has redeemed my soul in peace from the battle that was against me. What's that battle that takes place within our lives each and every day? It's that against the flesh and the spirit, right? That battle to walk that straight and narrow and not go through the Broadway. That walk to keep our eyes fixed on the Lord and not on these different things, right? We see again here the picture of the gospel. What does Romans 10 verses 9 through 11 say? It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made into salvation. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put 
to shame. David continues here in verse 19. He says, God will hear and afflict them. Even he who abides from of old, Selah, because they do not change, therefore they do not fear God. Here, David, as he continues, he says, these people who continue to bring trouble, persecution, they're set in their ways, Lord. They're just too secure in themselves, in their things to pay attention to you. Lord, hear my prayer and afflict them. Pay attention here, God. He's saying, he's praying this because they do not change. They don't have any desire to change. Therefore, they do not fear God. Verse 20 and 21, we see here that David says he has put forth his hands against those who were at peace. Again, speaking about Ahithophel, he says he has put forth his hands against those who were at peace with him. He has broken his covenant. The words of his mouth were smoother than butter, but war was in his heart. His words were softer than oil, yet they were drawn swords. He's broken his promise against his allies, Lord. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. His intentions, though they seemed like they were right, as his words were smoother than butter, softer than oil, there was war in his heart. His intentions were not of what he said. Now, having made his requests made known to God, David now urges us to do something. It's beautiful. When we go through these trials and tribulations in life, when we're facing the attacks of the enemy, when we come across scenarios of just our closest companions, loved ones, friends, family, that we're not getting along with, what does David tell us to do here in verses 22 and 23? David says, cast, cast. Remember, we see, or he says, cast your burden on the Lord. Place upon your burdens, believer, on the Lord. And he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. We'll be unshaken. Place upon your burdens on him. David, sorry, yeah, David here is promising that the Lord will uphold the believer in the struggles of life. In the struggles of life, he's reminding us to cast your burdens, your, your, your problems, your troubles, your worries upon him. Upon who? The Lord. What does 1 Peter 5, 7 tell us? Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. He cares for you. Jesus tells us in Matthew eleven twenty eight to 30, he says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Wow. Beautiful. Verse 23. But you, O God, shall bring them down to the pit of destruction. Bloodthirsty and deceitful men shall not live out half their days. But I will trust in you. He's going to fight our battles. We are not going to be moved. We are not to be shaken because we trust in the Lord. 
And if we remember anything from this psalm today, let's remember four points. One, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. Two, don't complain to others. Complain to God. Don't speak evil of others. Bring it before the Lord in prayer. Tell the Lord exactly how you feel, point three. That's part of casting your burdens on him. But verse four is extremely important, right? Here, you know, uh, if you're not on his team, we can see just how his prayer can come against you, right? His, and he's bringing it before the Lord. But number four is forgive as you have been forgiven. Forgive. Now, with this psalm here, maybe you're thinking about someone who's came across or come against you. May you take them to your prayer closet tonight and pray for them and ask the Lord to intervene in your heart about that person and sympathize for that person because we know that the person who does not know the Lord, um, destruction and damnation will come against them. We transfer and transition now, and we continue through Psalm 56. Now, Psalm 56 here, we're going to see it's a prayer of David um, when he heard a mourning dove, that's M-O-U-R-D, mourning dove, out in the distance of the terebinth tree. Here he hears just the cry of this dove. And he wrote this psalm here in reference to the occasion when the Philistines had seized him in Gath uh, as he was fleeing from Saul. And we are going to see here that um, he is, as the title here it says, uh, the chief musician to, or the silent dove in distant lands, a, a micham of David with the Philistines. Here again, instruction. And what's crazy is that uh, David wasn't supposed to be amongst these Philistines. He wasn't supposed to be here, but he's coming before them. And if you recall, David even had to act crazy. Recall in 1 Samuel, uh, before the king, because his reputation preceded him and the king was threatened, right? And he had to pretend like he was crazy because the king wanted to kill him. But we're going to see four main points here. Verses 1 through 4, we're going to see the contrast between fear and faith. In verses 5 through 9, the contrast between the destroyer and the deliverer. Verses 10 through 13, the difference between trust and thanksgiving. And then lastly, Fear and faith. Sorry, I mentioned that one already. Fear and faith, three points. Fear and faith, destroy and deliver, trust and thanksgiving. As we look at the first point, fear and faith, verses one through four, it says, Lord, be merciful to me, O God, for man would swallow me up. Fighting all day, he oppresses me. My enemies, my enemies would hound me all day. For there are many who fight against me. Most high. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust. See here that again, the Lord or David is crying out to the Lord, be gracious to me, be gracious in light of my adversaries who come across me every day, every single day they are oppressing me, they're pursuing me. There are many who come across against me, O Lord, swallow. They come to swallow me up, to fight. And David utters this prayer, and it's so beautiful as we see in these next two verses, this prayer that we too should remember and take to our prayer closet. He says, verse 3, whenever I'm afraid, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear 
what can flesh do to me? Here, I call these the three I wills. See here, the I wills that David says. He says, I will trust, I will praise, I will not fear. I will trust, I will praise, I will not fear. When I am afraid, I will trust in you, Lord, he is saying. He trusts in faith. Why? Because of God's faithfulness. Because of God's faithfulness, we can put our faith in him. We can trust him. We can trust in his word. I will praise his word. We can trust in the promises of God. As Bible students, we can look back and see the, pro- the prophecies that have been fulfilled, and we can trust that the prophecies to come will come forth. He cannot deny himself. He does not change. I can trust. I will praise his word. I know his word because I spend day and night, I spend all day just meditating. I know it. It's in my heart. That's why I can trust in him. And because I can trust in him and because there's an act of worship that comes out in my life, there's no reason for us to be afraid. I will not fear what can flesh do to me. We see here that this is the only place in the Bible that we're told not to be afraid. Just kidding. Did you catch that? No, there are actually over 365 verses in the Bible that command us not to be afraid. And we're going to go over all of those tonight because we have some time. Just kidding. We're not going to do that. But we're going to see here the eternal perspective that we are to adopt here. You have a verse every day that you can meditate on reminding you not to be afraid. When fear consumes you, remember, God's word says, that the size of your enemies are are no comparison to the size of your God. Your God is much bigger than your enemies. This is the confidence that the believer has. He is enough, and he has given us his word. What can flesh do to me? Now, the second part is we're going to see the contrast here between the destroyer and the deliverer. We see here, verse 5, he continues, he says, All day they twist my words. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They're, They're plotting harm, they're scheming, right? Their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, they hide, they mark my steps. They're watching every move. And as a believer in Christ, you must believe that your coworkers, your family members, your neighbors, your, if you have children, they're watching your move. They're watching. They're, they're analyzing the man and woman of Christ that proclaims the name of Christ in their life. And we are to guard ourselves because they're our, our ad, there's enemies or adversaries that are, that are always plotting harm. We can see even here David's life. They're scheming. They're watching every step. When you don't, don't think they're looking, they're looking. They're looking for a reason to point out and blow your testimony. Right? But the Lord is gracious and he is merciful. He does say here, as he continues, he says, when they lie in wait for my life, again, they're, they're watching. Shall they escape by iniquity? He asks the Lord. In anger, cast down the peoples, O God. The enemy's persistent, and he's leaving David in anguish. And David knows, as we've gone through the Psalms, and as we studied, and as we know, that the wicked are not going to escape judgment. They're not going to escape their iniquity. Absolutely not. Sin will be judged. Sin will be judged. Why? Because God is holy. He is righteous. He is just. And a just God has to judge sin. Verses 8 and 9, we're going to see just that vindication here. 
It's a beautiful transition as David says, he will vindicate me because he is my deliverer. What does he say, verse 8? You number my wanderings. Wow. You number my journeys. You number my tears in your bottle. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? That's awesome. You number my wanderings. You put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Malachi 3.16 tells us, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and those who meditate on his name. The Lord counts your tears. He knows your wanderings. He puts them in his book. Are they not in your book? Revelation 20.15 And anyone not found found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. In the end, the enemies here, as we see in verse 9, he says, when I cry out to you, my enemies, are, they'll turn back. They're going to turn back. This I know. This I know. Why? Because God is for me. God is for me. He is for me and he is for you. In the midst of our mistakes, in the midst of our tears, in the midst of our trials, God will never abandon us. He loves us and he is for us. The grace of God here, we see this. God is for me. Romans 8, 31 says, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? And here, verses 10 through 13, as we wrap up this psalm, we're going to see just this prayer of trust and thanksgiving. And David, again, he's going to express this praise in God. He says, in God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. He mentions it twice, right? How awesome is that? He says, in God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid. Again, what can man do to me? What can man do to me? In the midst of men and their crooked agenda to try to overrule God's plan, and we see this today, and we won't get there, we won't go there, but God's plan will prevail. His will will be done. And this is a reason for us to praise. This is a reason for us to praise twice, right? He says, David. Verse 12 and 13, vows made to you are binding upon me. Oh God, I will render praises to you. In other words, I'm obligated for a debt that I cannot repay. For you have delivered my soul from death. You have not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living. Here, David says, I, I'm, I'm bound to you for a debt that I cannot pay. We see that as a description of Christ, right, in the New Testament. We will render thanksgivings. I will render praises to you, O God. Why? Because you rescued me from death. David's saying, but, how, but the, the Christian believer today can say, you've rendered me from eternal damnation. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. First John 1, 7 says, but we are living in the light, and as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you. You walk in the light. Who walk in the light of your presence? See, Satan can't stand the believer. He can't stand the light of Jesus Christ that lives in the regenerate Christian. He's constantly oppressing the believer. He's constantly trying to implement fear in their lives, but we have a deliverer. What did Jesus tell us in, eight, in chapter 8? Verse 12 of John, he says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, 
but will have the light of life. And when we walk in this light, we don't stumble. Though we may sin, we make sinful choices, we don't have to be shaken or afraid because he forgives us as we come to him in repentance. His sacrifice brings a place of repentance, of thanksgiving, and we can trust in him. We can trust in those next steps in life. We can praise his word. We don't have to fear because our name is written in the book of life. And as we wrap up with Psalm 57 tonight, Psalm 57 says it's a prayer for safety from enemies. There's going to be three points here. Sorry, two points here. Two points, a plea for protection and the offering of praise. You can see here as we started with our theme, right, which was David was starting in worry, but he would end in praise. This is another psalm or a lament expression having confidence in the Lord in the midst of calamity. And we can see why he's so distressed because Saul was chasing him. Saul was hunting him. Not only Saul, but an army, an army. And you can't imagine how Saul had felt knowing that he wanted to kill him and the horrific circumstances of having just all an army against you, Right? Everyone teams up against you. When David finds himself, he's, he's hiding in a cave. David, if you guys recall, he's hiding in a cave, and Saul happens to come and take a nap in that same cave. But here, David, in that cave, he's not putting his refuge in the cave, but he's putting his refuge and trust in the Lord. Verse 1, be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. In the storms of life, again, David is saying, my soul trusts in you. It trusts in your plan. It trusts in your will. You are my refuge. Not my bank account, not my house, not my job, not the security that comes with that, but in my trust in your word, you are my refuge. In the storms of life, we, will, we are to trust him. Verse two, he says, I will, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. Even in the hard times, we are to trust in the Lord who performs all things. What does Romans tell us in 8.28? As we know, all things work together for good to those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose. We can trust the Lord, his word. We cry out to God, fulfilling his purposes in our life because he knows all things Verse three, he shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Look at just the Holy Spirit speaking through David. And as we see in verse three, he says, he shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me. What does that remind you of? Our Lord, our Savior. Galatians 4.4 4. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son. John chapter one. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and with him was not anything made that was made. You jump down to verse 14 of John chapter one. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. So verse four, David continues. And he's saying here, 
The wicked are, again, constantly trying to devour me. They're trying to trap me. My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue is a sharp sword. We can see here just the attacks that he continues to get, the arrows that come at him, these people who are trying to devour him. He says, be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above all the earth. He he comes back with a prayer of worship. He says, they have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. Into the midst of it, they themselves have fallen. They prepare to devour me. They set traps before me. But in the midst of their own traps, they fall in them. They fall into their own traps. Verse 7 through 11, as we end, is the offering of praise. My heart is steadfast, or my heart is fixed. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. Awake, my glory. Awake, lute and harp. I will awaken the dawn. We see here that David's confidence is in the Lord here. We can see that. He says, my heart is steadfast, steadfast, fixed. And because it is fixed, I'm going to start the day in praise and worship. Awake, lute, and harp. How many of you guys start your day in worship as you're brushing your teeth, making breakfast, showering? How that just really just prepares your spirit for the day. What do we know about in Ephesians? Putting on the full armor of God, right? I will sing and I will praise, he says in verse 7. He continues in verse 9. He says, I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations. What is he saying here? He's saying, I'm going to sing, I'm going to worship, and I don't care who's watching. I don't care that I'm being persecuted. I don't care that they call me a Christian, oh, little goody two-shoe, oh, you believe in holiness and righteousness. No, I'm going to raise my hands before the nations. I'm going to proclaim your name. I'm going to sing. Why? For your mercy reaches into the heavens and your truth into the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be above the earth. We see here just God's unfailing love. And David here is exalting the name of the Lord. His mercy, his truth, and his glory is unfathomable. I will praise you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing to you among the nations, for your mercy reaches into the heavens and your truth into the clouds. Be exalted. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens, and let your glory be above all the earth. Let's pray.